Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I'm talking to the wonderful Alison Miller. Alison is talking to us about developing an infrastructure for productivity and she talks about the importance of tracking what's going on internally for you as well as tracking external things. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. I'm so delighted to, well, it's, I'm, I'm meeting you now um, properly for the first time. And I'm so delighted that you said you would come and, and meet me and talk to everybody because um, you're doing fantastic work and specialising as the dissertation coach. And I just love that this focus and energy that you're giving to postgrad researchers. Um, and we're going to get into a little bit in terms of the work that you you are doing in a minute but first of all I always ask people to tell us a little bit about their own journey through the PhD so can you tell us a little bit about your experience certainly and I'm so glad to be here Emma thank you for having me on your podcast I went to graduate school at the University of Illinois at Chicago in Chicago uh, in clinical psychology is what I got my PhD in and when I got to graduate school, I was young, 24 years old, naive, and I immediately, upon starting graduate school, was pretty seized with a feeling of like it was just going to be a matter of time, and so they were going to figure out that I really did not belong there. Oh, and what I thought was, I, I thought, well, I'm not really smart, but I'm articulate, so my superpower is I can trick people into thinking I was smart. So I definitely struggled, you know, the, early, the sort of the master's thesis sort of era. I had to do a full master's thesis. Mm-hmm. And I was doing it on a topic I really cared about. And I was really invested in the, the community and the research. Um, but, you know, it just was, you know, that kind of classic feeling of feeling like you aren't as smart as you seem to be. To other people, it's a it's a it's a mirage, and anyway, um, I one day honestly, my master's thesis um, was like in the hallway, walking towards the refrigerator and about to turn on the television, and I had no awareness of how that had happened. How had I gone from my desk to working on like the final chapter of my thesis to being like making a snack again? And that, that really was the moment where I think the dissertation coach was born, even though I didn't, but because I realized that what had happened was, is that I was struggling with something and that I was moving away from the work, not because of the work itself, but because it was uncomfortable. And so from when I got to the dissertation phase, I had, you know, done a decent amount of personal growth work when I was in grad school, um, and I, you know, I felt like I really needed help because I was struggling. And I just sort of developed a, a more logical project management approach to work that took into account that I was going to have to face, you know, my 
my own kind of dark thoughts and my own insecurities and find a way to work in the presence of them anyway. And so by the time I was finishing up, other people around me were like, how did you do that? Where, where's all the drama? <laughs> like, why aren't you so stressed out anymore? You know? And I, you know, I said, well, you know, Hey, I'm still, I still struggle with the same stuff. It's just that I'm, I'm working in a more effective way. I, I've become a project manager. And so people ask me to start teaching them how to do that. And that's kind of like the, the dissertation coach approach that we actually still use in this business was sort of born out of my own need to survive and find a way to get through grad school successfully. Amazing. And that's where so much good stuff comes from, isn't it? That kind of born of necessity mm-hmm. and, and finding your way through and then sharing that with others. I love so much about that. I love the where's all the drama <laughs> because it is that thing of like it is possible. It is totally possible to mm-hmm. do the PhD and enjoy yourself. It really is possible. And I I love also what you're saying about kind of just taking that project management approach. This is a project. Going to deal with it. I love it when we talk to psychologists because you're you're so good at thinking about structures and ways of functioning within a situation so this is all good um so right so now I'm going to grill you about this then so we've got this project management approach and obviously before we before we do this interview we talk about what you what you might talk about and here's I love that you said it's about building an infrastructure for engaged and meaningful productivity how much do I love that and and, and, infrastructure for productivity. So tell us a little bit about how that how that works. Okay, sure. So let me give a little bit of context. Um, my intention when I'm engaging with people, what I really, it's like my, my heart's desire for people is that they come to discover how to actually nourish their own ability to be productive reliably you know, to feel engaged with your work, you know, to be working in a way that really works for you. And that does a couple of things. One is that you're working in a way that produces results. And you're also working in a way that takes care of your well-being. It's very easy to work in ways that really actually are not working for results and they're not really working for our well-being. And sometimes we can get results but neglect our well-being. And that doesn't end up work. It's not a long-term sustainable way of having meaningful, engaged experiences of, wow, I was just really productive. That's so satisfying. I want people to feel satisfied. So my observation over the last year and a half or so during this pandemic um, is that something that we were all doing already, we started to need to do on steroids and that is external tracking. So why I think it's so important to have an infrastructure is because doing a dissertation requires a lot of external tracking. Now there's the external tracking is things like, did we pay the rent? Is there gas in the car? What's for dinner? Oh, I need to make that appointment. Oh, did I hear back from my advisor? Oh yeah. You know what? I need to call them back and get this information to see if I can do my study here. Like there's so many things that we're tracking in our lives and it takes a lot of energy to externally track. 
And then we have this pandemic come along where all of a sudden we're all, all over the planet simultaneously being asked to externally track, is it safe? Do I need a mask? You know, what's happening? You know, where can I go? Are we in lockdown? There was this whole new kind of layer of external tracking that happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think it's takes a lot of energy and it's one of the reasons um, I mean, this isn't a scientific study, but it's just an intuition I have that, that one of the reasons a lot of us are feeling like our brains aren't working that well. We walk into the other room and we don't know why we're there. We open a browser and we have no idea why we opened it. It's like, I feel like my brain is a little bit like Swiss cheese with holes in it. Mm. It's because I think that there's a load to all that external tracking that's going on and it starts to impact our executive functioning skills. So the other thing that's also really important is that when we start to do too much external tracking of what's going on around us and constantly evaluating our safety and, you know, oh, I need to get this done, I need to do that. And when we're externally tracking all the time, we're really um, missing out on something incredibly important to real productivity. And that is that to be consistently and meaningfully and reliably productive you need to have a strong ability to internally track. And what I mean by internal tracking is knowing, hey, what version of me is here to work? What condition am I in? How do I find myself? This is a compassionate observation of just what's so in the moment is, wow, I am really feeling stressed. I can feel it in my chest. All right, well, that's the version of me that's here. Now that I know that, I might make an adjustment to how I approach my work, okay? Mm -hmm. So here's what I, here's my, here's the kind of, I'll try to give this as quick as possible. No, I'm loving it, keep going, I love it. Okay, good. (laughs) An overview of a recipe for having an infrastructure that helps you do something really important which is we call out time every single week. And as I'll talk about in a little bit, a carve out a small amount of time every 24 hours to in a meaningful, direct and purposeful way, externally track. I think a a common sort of human blunder that we all make (laughs) is our mind will say to us, it's okay, you'll remember that. No, you won't. You probably won't remember that. Like, you know, in terms of like an important piece of information about your thesis or dissertation or what was that number again? Or, you know, we there's things that we just cannot remember um, and we need to write them down. And we can only be remembering and in touch with so much at once. We've got all kinds of projects and things that we're working on in our life. So having time where we really deliberately do a more intensive form of external tracking can help you during the week, let go when your mind is like, oh, but what about this and this and this and this and this? You're like, you know what? I already did my external tracking. I have a plan for the week. I'm not going to go down that road. If I need to, I'll stop and add something to my like a growing to-do list of things that need to be done. So I don't forget it. That's fine. But I'm not going to start. Here's an example of a common thing that happens. You're working inside some kind of manuscript, dissertation, an article for publication, whatever you're working on, you're working on it. And now you have a thought about a thing that needs to happen, that an email that needs to be sent 
to handle something on another project. And you go, oh, oh my God, I need to handle that. And so then you switch tasks. And now whatever was going on with you in the paragraph you were working on, you just lost that mojo because you got distracted by a thought. And now, uh-oh, you just opened your email, which is a Pandora's box of distraction. Um, so here's what I'm suggesting people consider as a pathway for building an infrastructure. And with everything I say, Emma, I want people to know this is not the truth. This is a way of supporting yourself to be able to internally track yourself as you're working. Okay, what version of me is here? How am I doing? What adjustments do I need to make? How can I support myself? We're, we're actually paying attention to movement that happens inside of us, not just what's going on outside of us. Yes. So, so this way is, a, in some ways, it's a kind of a blend of different things I've heard in different places, and I kind of cooked them together in this particular meal. So this, this meal has four steps. The first step is something I really encourage people to do once a week. Make a list. I recommend doing it in a Google Doc. Um, the first time I do a list like this, I must handwrite it. So if you're, if you're a handwriter, I am as well. Make out a list of in each domain of life. What are the things that are rattling around in your mind that you want to write down and get it out of your mind? Where it literally gets like we're getting out of broom and we're sweeping out your mind and getting it out onto paper. So for your dissertation, there might even be sort of subcategories of things like there's stuff you're doing for your lit review, but you're also trying to nail down a site to collect your data. Those are kind of two different domains in your, in your dissertation journey. Um, in your PhD journey. You know, I know in the US we say dissertation and the UK they say thesis. We have them sort of reversed. So if I say dissertation, I mean whatever your big project is that you're working on. <laughs> I should to be clear, but we need to sweep our minds out. And I really believe for most people, a rhythm of every seven days is what works. And you can, of course, figure out how to do that for yourself. This is where you stop and you let yourself without pressuring yourself to think of every single possible detail for every project. Don't do it that way. Just empty out of your brain what comes easily to you. And you might have, to, if you're teaching, you might have things about course prep, grading, syllabus, whatever, you know, whatever it is that's going on there. I encourage everyone to have a category around their health or well-being or spiritual practice or whatever sleep. Sleep could be its own category for a lot of us during this pandemic. Mm. Think through what are things that you, tasks that need to be completed, behaviors you want to be engaging in, things that are feeling important to you. The holidays are coming up. Does that mean something for you in terms of purchasing gifts, planning, buying plane tickets? Just Letting yourself inventory, like you're walking through a store inventorying what's on the shelves, only you're looking at your life and what matters to you and what you need to get done and what deadlines you have and things that are important to you that you're documenting by domain in a Google Doc, okay? Once you have that mind sweep, then you move into the second piece, which is about clarifying priorities. And clarifying priorities is making a declaration that over the next seven days, I am declaring that I am going to do the following things. You're pulling out of the mind sweep what you're choosing to move onto the front burner for the next seven days. It has to be humane. It can't be magical thinking. It has to be like 
actually in reality, you really realistically could do it. Otherwise it'll just backfire. But this is where you are saying, I am selecting certain things are getting pulled forward out of the mind sweep, which is basically like your back burner and you're moving them to the front burner. This is critical because one of the reasons that we're often not productive is because we actually don't know what we're not doing. Mm. And knowing what you are doing, it's a lot clearer if you actually know, oh, you know what? When I get the urge to procrastinate, I'm not working on that project. Because one of the guilt-free ways we get out of, like, we're like, it's not really procrastination because I worked on something else, but it's not really a front burner priority. And it's not moving forward the things that are most critical for you. And that's not bad if you do that. It's just for people who feel like I really need to be focused. I need to be working in a thoughtful and logical way. When, you, when it's all that on paper in the mind sweep, and then you go to say, okay, what's on my front burner for the next seven days? That's where you prioritize. And now you know over the next seven days, this is what where, where I want my eyes. I want my eyes on this list, not on all the other stuff on the back burner. That's the thing because yeah. I've, oh, sorry. I was just, it's just sure. people often think they, they beat themselves up because they think they lack motivation but actually often they're just lacking clarity aren't they and so I love this because it's kind of making really clear what it is they're going to do yes and if if part of the problem is you're not actually clear on what you need to do then you need to get some kind of outside help you need to reach out and get support because sometimes people actually don't know how to develop a methodology or write a lit review and they need more technical help to know how to even break that down Mm. and know what's on the front burner but it's really, really essential to know that. And then once you know what's on the front burner, then you move into the third step, which is about um, conscious planning. Conscious planning is where you lay out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. When in reality are you doing what? On Monday morning, if you teach and then you write down, you know, work on thesis right immediately afterwards, that's not really planning that's honoring reality and your own humanity. <laughs> you need transition time. So we really want our plan to be, we want to be planning for the real you that's going to show up to work, not the fantasy cartoon version that we imagine when we make work plans. Mm. There's a big difference. Mm. A lot of times we're counting on the better version of ourselves to show up to work. But here's the thing. The version of you that shows up to work, you can have you can have a say about that, but you can't control it. Maybe you had an argument with your significant other night before and it's still in your body the next morning. Well, that's not the version of you that you imagined when you made your plan, right? Yes, you know, maybe yes. you woke up with a headache or you got some bad news or, you know, for a lot of listeners out there, I just want you to know if you are someone who wakes up and you feel like you wake up into anxiety welcome to that is such a common experience especially among grad students you just wake up anxious you weren't imagining that when you made your work plan so we're making a work plan of what are we doing day to day it's really more of a life plan of given that i'm a vulnerable human being who's bound to be experiencing some some yucky stuff during the week because that's what happens how do i want to plan where's the transition time is there some kind of ritual do I, do I do things that remind me to take five minutes to breathe? I do a lot of stretching myself. I'll just take like, turn a timer on my phone for five minutes and stretch for five minutes. 
to like remind myself that I have a body and not just be all up in my head, which is kind of how I felt all through graduate school. I was just like a floating head, completely disconnected from my body. Mm. So and this, this and, is, oh, go ahead, Emma. Well, and what you're saying reminds me of what Damasio says in terms of we are feeling machines that think we're not, th- you know, we're not thinking machines, we're feeling machines, I think. And so this whole sense of you saying checking in, internal tracking is so important. And mm. um, and as you say, with compassion, I just love this. I love this. It's really critical. It, it, observing ourselves through a critical lens, we won't really look. We'll never no. really see the truth that way. No. No. So that's why find, if someone asked me what's the most important capacity that a human being could develop, it'd be self-compassion because mm. that's that's really the doorway to wisdom. You know, mm. so everything that I everything I want to frame everything I'm doing in is like we're doing this as a great act of kindness for ourselves. Yeah. Mind sweep, clarify priorities, conscious yeah. planning. Yeah. And then the, the fourth thing, and this is a tremendous act of kindness, is to practice environmental alignment. That's where we say, well, I made this plan and I said on Tuesday, I'm going to be working on this section and I need to add in some articles. Great. Let's print out a copy of that section and put the three articles in a folder because that is so important that I get this done this week. I'm actually going to start the behavior before I need to engage in it. Oh, I I love that. My environment with the results I want to produce and the behaviors that I want to engage in. So Emma, for example, I don't know. Sometime in the last six months, I decided I really wanted to be consistent, get up in the morning and drink lemon water every day. That's the first thing that hits my body. Mm. But you know what was fascinating? I was putting it on my to-do list. It was in my conscious plan and it was not being done consistently at all. And so then I realized, oh, you know what? You're relying on your motivation. And clearly, if your motivation was sufficient, you'd be drinking lemon water every day. Mm. So I realize whenever there's not enough motivation because the behavior is not happening, then there's not enough environmental alignment. So I got into this ritual every night where I would get out a cutting board, a lemon, a knife, the juicer, and the glass every night. And what's interesting about it now is that I don't really have to do the environmental alignment anymore. Like I was in Austin the last few days and one morning I got up and the first thing I did was went downstairs and was, you know, to get my lemon water. Like, even though I was like not showered and I walked through the lobby, like I've got to get that lemon water because I had experienced the benefit for long enough that now I was like motivated to continue experience, but I had to align my environment for long enough. And, you know, there may be things in our lives where we're going to always need environmental alignment. So environmental alignment is essentially you getting your future environment set up so that you've parked the car on a downhill slope. You've made it a little easier for you. So we need to pay attention to a few things with our environmental alignment. There's the physical environment that we work in. Is it working for you? Are there post-it notes everywhere? Is it, is it in a sense optimized for distraction rather than performance? Look around and ask yourself, is this working for me? Like not just from your mind, but like, is this working for my body to work in this environment? And if not, take time to make those changes. It's a tremendous act of kindness. Look at your electronic environment. Many of us have version control problems. We're lacking a clear folder system. We don't know the passwords to things we need to get into. There's like things going on in the electronic infrastructure that are not working for us 
And it is worth the time to clean that up because it's otherwise it's sort of like you're asking yourself to swim in a dirty pool. Mm. Mm. We want to get the leaves out of the pool, clear things out, make it easier for you because the version of you who's going to show up to work is going to really appreciate if sort of, it's like, it's like you're saying to yourself, you know what, every 24 hours, I'm going to be my own executive assistant. This yes. is one of our, one of our yes. co-working community members gave this metaphor and I love yes. it. Yes. Now, now tomorrow, the CEO is going to show up to do the work and the CEO might not be in a good mood. So I'm going to set things up for the CEO to make it a little more downhill. So the, I think environmental alignment at least once a week is essential, but every 24 hours, look at your plan, adjust it as needed, get your stuff organized and ready in folders. Make sure you know where the documents are on your computer. Be ready to go. Because then if you're not in the greatest mood or something's going on with you, you've already given yourself a leg up. And so now you've built an infrastructure from sweeping out your mind, making conscious choices, thinking through how to make a humane plan for you to move through hour by hour, day to day through your week, and then set up an environment that supports you to behave that way. That's how you can really do something about tendencies in the way that you work that aren't working for you because you build an infrastructure to follow. And now because you did that external tracking in such a meaningful way, you can shift your energy to internally tracking from a very kind and curious perspective. Huh? Well, let's see what goes on when I try to follow and use this kind of infrastructure. What works for me? What doesn't work for me? How do I want to tweak it? Ultimately, all of it comes back to a fundamental thing, which is the invitation for us all. And I think this is really a birthright that we have as human beings is to work in a way that works for us and works for us means it produces results and it also is kind to the body. It doesn't ravage us. It doesn't leave us exhausted and like emotionally spent at the end of it. We worked in a way that worked and that was honoring. I like to think of it as we're learning to work in a way that's self-honoring. And I think this infrastructure is deeply self-honoring to the reality of being a human being living on the planet at this particular time in human history. Yes, yes, yes to that. Yes. And I, and I just love that sense of what you're saying about we make plans and we make intentions for that that best best day that may not happen and so the compassion and the planning to support ourselves in the moment that we're in oh love it I love it so there is so much good stuff in there and we're going to have all your details in terms of people finding out more about you which I am sure they will want to and the services that you can offer to people we'll have all of that in the show notes um but before I let you go I'm just going to ask you out of out of all of this work and the other wisdom, which I know you have, um, to offer us a top tip to take away. Well, I'm going to make it kind of, it's like a little bit of a double tip. Okay. Number one is work with the version of you who showed up to work. And then once you do that, work tight in the pocket of where you are. Drop down Treat what you're working on as if it's the only thing that exists. Amazing. And not easy, 
but no. but <laughs> what a, what a gift that is what a gift that is to yourself because as 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 you will know you see so many people and the the main battle of the PhD is the battle with themselves they've beaten themselves up because rather than accepting where they're at um I love that thank you so much Alison and I just love your energy too it's so calming (laughs) oh thank you so much for letting me share and um uh, you know I I really appreciate that you're putting this out there I I mean I love the idea of a life raft I think we all we all need that yes yeah Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you all for listening. 